In 2016, movie reviewers Phoenix West and Brent Puccio were abducted from their studio while recording an episode of Americant. Their abductors are a faceless organization with deep pockets. They were then informed they would be forced into watching two bad movies at a time and debating the two films to find out which was worse. All of this with the ultimate goal of finding the most painful movie of all time. The house they are held captive in is equipped with security cameras and audio equipment. If the movie is grainy, they will watch it. If the actors aren't mic'd up, they will hear it. If the movie's confusing, they will debate it. Interested? Maybe you should watch Shitty Movie Showdown! Shitty Movie Showdown! Shitty Movie Showdown! Do you not hear this? Shitty Movie Showdown. Oh god, he knows it. Spanish. No hablo Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to Shitty Movie Showdown. I'm Phoenix West. I just got a note slid under my door, I think from our captors. And it said I have to review the summer movies. And it said review, and then the word review was, was underlined and highlighted with a series of colors. And the problem is I haven't seen the summer movies because it is April and they're the summer movies. But they gave me this laptop here and it has like a, all it has is just the poster. The movie title and then the poster. So, but I'm supposed to review them. So, I mean, so here we go, I guess. Um, Buster's Mel Hart is, I mean, it was about this guy who didn't know how to make clocks. He was dyslexic and he has to overcome his fear of numbers and learn how to love again and make clocks properly. How to be a Latin lover. It was a race swapping movie in which a white man has to become a Latin man and have a gay Latin man and it was, he has a flower in his mouth and some sunglasses, and it looks like it could be um, Hank Azaria. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of names. And I mean, I saw the movie, so. He really does learn how to become a Latin lover. He loves all over Latinos for an hour and a half, and it was very exciting. He chooses to be gay. It's a, it's a gay, it's a gay romp. A romp in the gay sack, if you will. One week and a day. In this movie, a couple argues, or a woman argues with her dad while a man watches and eats peanuts in the background. This goes on for two and a half hours. And it is riveting. Slight. A movie in which a man gets out of Compton by counting cards. That's right, counting cards. He hooks up with Kevin Spacey. It's a sequel to 21. They debated calling this movie 22, but they figured people would get confused with the Taylor Swift song. The Circle! In this movie, Tom Hanks and Emma Watson are record execs, and they're putting out CDs, and there's satanic messages on the CD, so they have to, they are quickly circled by Satan. It's the circle of hell, you know? And they are quickly consumed by hell. And they must escape from hell. They must defeat the devil, who is, has just released a badass album. His album is fire, one could say. <laughs> There's a tagline, but I can't read it. Guardians of the Galaxy Vol 2 is about a galaxy and the guardians of it. Again, in this movie, a 
green-faced woman and a... Was that a fucking raccoon? What, what are we doing here? And the Freddie Mercury in the middle? I don't know what's going on in that. There's a lot going on in that poster. I mean, it was a really good movie, though. It was... It was no Guardians of the Galaxy Vol 1, but what can you do, you know? I gotta be honest, I haven't seen the first one still. I'm kind of ashamed of that. The Lovers. Um, this movie is... A, in, in the vein of Mr. Science Theater 3000 and Shitty Movie Showdown, there's a movie where you watch a couple watch television and drink wine, and they occasionally go, what do you want for dinner tonight? I don't know, pasta? Well, we had pasta yesterday. Um, fish? We had fish two days ago. What the? Why can't you fucking remember that, Susan? Every fucking time we have to do this. I have to... We're trying to watch the show, I get it, and your fucking head is elsewhere. I'm glad you're in the movie, but can't you fucking focus on what we've eaten recently? I'm just, why do you always do this? You know, I should have married your brother. And it just goes on like that, and it's just a lot of debating. I, I don't, debating, arguing, whatever, domestic violence, whatever you want to call it, I guess. The lovers. But they love each other, so they stick around, you know? The dinner. Uh, it's got Richard Gere. And Steve Coogan, it looks like. Rebecca Hall. And, uh... It's, it's a gripping tale of a dinner gone right. That's right. You think it's going to go wrong the whole time. But really, they just eat. And they have a, you know, unlike the last movie, The Lovers, they just eat. And then they leave. The guests go home. No new revelations. There's no drama whatsoever. They just eat the dinner and go the home. Three generations. This movie is terrible. I really did hate this movie. It's gonna get some Oscar drama. Somebody's gonna get nominated from this movie, but you know, it's got uh, Elle Fanning and the, the skateboard and she's just like a, um, yeah, like a hipster and, and, and it's, you know, Susan Sarandon and, and Naomi Watts and they don't get along at all. Mom and Grandma, <laughs> they don't get along. And then uh, they don't know what it's like to be a hipster skateboarder girl. They don't. They have no idea. Two of these generations have no clue what it's like. <laughs> uh, movie's terrible. Hated it. King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. In this movie, King Arthur's new album, his new rap album, Legend of the Sword, must come out. Although competing rap artist Lancelot is trying to stop it. Will King Arthur's new album, Legend of the Sword, come out? Will it be fire? Will it set the world on fire? Find out in King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Snatched. Two women you thought you might want to fuck, but you don't. So the idea of fucking them has been snatched. Lowriders. Now this was a it was an interesting documentary on the Los Angelino lowrider community. It's, it's, it's this weird insider thing. You felt like you shouldn't have been there. It felt like someone was going deep undercover and if they got found out, they might have been killed. And not that all Latinos kill, or, or there even all Latinos do the lowriders. And that, have you seen Latinos? Uh, it's, just, it's just about lowriders and it was fascinating and then they bounce and they move and they shake and they rattle. And, um, and, uh, and they're not gangs though, nope. Can we move on now? Paris can wait. This movie's interesting because this woman wants to go to Paris 
and she keeps putting on for decades. It's a story told through several several years, several decades. She's younger, she wants to go to Paris, she gets older, she wants to go to Paris, and she keeps going, you know what, Paris will wait. And on her deathbed, she realizes she was right because the city of Paris will not fucking die because she's dying. Why would a city die? You dumb bitch, you should have went there. It was, it was heartbreaking. This is a heartbreaking movie. Of course the city is gonna outlive her. Duh. Come on, lady. The Wall. Donald Trump's wall is built in this gripping documentary, and it's probably starring Mark Wahlberg, because it's it's about an American tragedy or event. Every American event must be chronicled by Mark Wahlberg now. I don't know why, what's going on with him. He's, he's moved on from remakes to the point where he's just making the most patriotic bullshit ever. I haven't, I haven't seen a Mark Wahlberg movie in like a decade now. I'm just, I'm just done, I think. I'm trying to think if I've seen anything from him past The Departed. This one, though, starts Aaron Tyler, Aaron Taylor Johnson, the old lady fucker from Kick-Ass, and he, he helps build the wall, and he defends it with a rifle. He's a, he's a very, very racist Texas patrolman, and he just snipes people who hop over the wall trying to come into this great land. He defends it, goddammit. The Wall. The Wedding Plan. Oh man, this movie was like 30 days in one wedding, and there's just no groom. She marries nobody. It. She marries nobody. She just stands there, and then she has a cardboard cutout from uh, an old Hollywood video, and then she marries uh, Legolas. The cardboard cutout of Legolas. That's right. Orlando Bloom was there. He's not in the movie for real, but his cardboard cutout is. It's very strange. Um, rumor is he appears as a limo driver at the end, but he's in so much makeup I couldn't really tell. I thought it, I, I just assumed it was a rumor. If so, that's a, that's a nice little nod to the, to the real actor. A uh, nice little meta nod, if you will. She gets married in 30... She plans a wedding and doesn't have a groom. So she has 30 days to find someone to marry because her wedding's being paid for by her dad who's dying. That's probably actually what the movie's about. Alien Covenant. It's This isn't what you think it is. This movie is actually interesting. It was this gripping... Think of uh, 12 Angry Men. Think of a, a less comedic Doctor Strangelove. This movie's just about this covenant of aliens. It's, it's kind of like this... The Senate of Aliens. They sit and they debate intergalactic alien policies for two and a half to three hours. And that sounds boring when you say it, but oh my god, I was fascinated the whole way through. Had subtitles, it felt like a foreign movie. The movie just worked. It just works. And considering it's Ridley Scott, that's really saying something. The movie just clicks. It's running on all cylinders. It's just, you see this guy talk and he's like, we have to stop the Trade Federation. And this guy over here is like, we can't stop it. We have to keep it going. And this guy's like, I don't know. Maybe you should sway me. I have a lot of pull in this space town. And they're like, they have to do favors for him over the course of the movie. Um, it doesn't leave the Senate floor a whole lot. But when they do, it is fascinating. Like, they... they they almost like spy movie. They just set up things and they kind of frame each other while they're out of the room to, to you know, gain leverage. Fascinating. A plus, Ridley Scott. A plus. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. In the 19th movie of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, The Long Haul, he has to move to a new town 
and he has to pack up the truck, first of all. First of all, pack things, his things in a box, right? That's a pain, nobody wants to do that. You gotta, you know, pack toilet paper last, everyone knows that. Um, put it in the truck, move, you know, literally drive there. Takes fucking forever, he moves across the country, takes forever, you watch the whole thing. He gets there, you know, to the place, he uh, starts to unload, he realizes they're at the wrong place, has to pack back up, move down the road, they're on the wrong side, they're on south, but they should be on north, whole thing. Um, they get up there, they unpack the truck, and then they have to move them all back into the house of boxes, in this new house, and um, it's not haunted, don't worry, it's not that kind of movie. And then they have to unload the boxes, and you have to fucking watch this kid unload these boxes, and hilarity ensues because there are so many ways you can trip or spill boxes or break the glass or drop the piano on something, you know, this is a lot of, I don't want to give too many spoilers, because it's a great movie, so look forward to that. Everything, everything. It, it's about nothing. In this movie, a man watches a woman in an interrogation room through one-way glass. And she can't see him, but he can see her. And he makes it real creepy. He sees everything. Everything. Pirates of the Caribbean, or Caribbean, dead men tell no tales. That's actually just true, because they're dead. They mostly just sit around in this movie talking about how dead people can't tell tales. And then they're just like, yeah, I agree. And then they kind of just all agree. And then Jack goes around drinking and whoring. And then he's hilarious as Captain Jack Sparrow. And at that point in this movie, you're kind of like, can you just stop being Jack Sparrow? Because I don't really want to see this anymore. It's been going on for like 15 years now. 16 years, however long it's been. Way too long, Johnny Depp, come on. It's really weird to see Johnny Depp when he's not wearing scarves, so I kind of, maybe I do appreciate that part of this movie, is that he doesn't wear any scarves or weird hats. So, you know, keep doing it, I guess, because it's nice to see you without all that shit on. Baywatch. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Zac Efron. This is a romantic movie. They are in love. Their first love, though, is the sea. In this movie, they decide they can't be together because they're already married to women. They want to be together so bad, but they can't get over that, um, pardon the pun, over the hump. They can't get over that and just admit it to themselves, what they need to admit. They're in love with each other. They need to get over it. They're not going to. You kind of realize at some point, this is how they're going to be forever. But... The only thing they can do to feel really connected to each other without having to go through all the, you know, drama is watch the bay. They bay watch. They just sit in lawn chairs and they watch the bay. And you realize this is who they're supposed to be. In the ending, a spoiler alert, so fast forward if you want to hear the ending of this movie, they realize maybe we do need to admit this. They're kind of sitting there and you see their hands kind of slowly reach for each other, and it's a little, and then credits. You're like, whoa, holy shit, they're gonna do this. I can't wait for Baywatch 2, which is undoubtedly gonna come out soon. Just like the two men in this movie. Wonder Woman. Um, this movie's about a man who wonders what it would be like to be a woman. Could he handle this? Can he make the transition? Should he? What are his fears? It, go, it really goes into detail of what it's like to be a man who wants to be a woman. And he just wonders. He doesn't 
go through any transformation. He just kind of has little conversations with his friends and loved ones and just, hey, what would, I wonder what that would be like, you know? Would I, could I handle it? Should I handle it? Is it worth it to me? You know, I wonder. Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. This one is a gripping war drama about Captain Underpants. I know it sounds, it looks like it says underpants, but it's underpants. He's a, he's a Nazi general during World War II, obviously. He is just, he's really having debates. He's kind of like Oscar Schindler. He just really is having a hard time with World War II. He doesn't know what to do. And this one is kind of sets up his character. They are going to do a trilogy of these movies. Um, I believe it's directed by Steven Spielberg. I'm pretty sure I'm right there. Um, it was a really, it was an interesting movie. I, I think the second and third one are going to be better. This first one was just kind of laying the groundwork for the second and third one. It's kind of like the Batman Begins movie where it's good on its own, but it's not amazing like the second one is. Um, but this one is Captain Underpants. Uh, he he kind of starts to realize he doesn't want to be a Nazi, that they're actually doing the wrong thing, and that he needs to get out of the game. And you know, So this one he kind of starts to realize that, and, he, and I think the second one's going to be him kind of... Um, Revolting and getting people against the Nazis, and then the third one's gonna be you know the war, the actual like full-on war. Maybe the end, the downfall of the Nazi Empire. I don't know. It's based on this series of books and these like really really gritty, violent books. And I haven't read them. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't read them. I've just seen the movie, and they are brutal, bloody books. Dean. This movie is the is the story of Superman's. Dean Cain. He, it's it's about him trying to make Superman look sexy for some reason, and he's trying to fit into the Superman's costume, but he doesn't fit in it. So it's this really weird, and it's it's a mixture of behind the scenes from Superman, Lois and Clark, and it's a mixture of that and kind of a dramatization in which Dean Cain plays Dean Cain, but he's older now. It's it's this weird kind of thing, kind of like I'm not there. It's just a mixture of all these different things. And it creates, ends up creating this weird kind of avant-garde piece that I personally didn't care for. I'm not, big fan, I'm not a big fan of the you know, kind of movies or anything. Um, I think people will appreciate it. Hipsters are gonna love it, let's just say that. Three Idiotas. As we all know, Idiotas is Spanish for prostitute. This movie is about three of them, three prostitutes. Um, the one on the front cover is like over here. This, this, uh, <laughs> you know, this thing. She's one of the prostitutes, and she is just blaming them. She's trying to set them up. She's trying to give them AIDS so that they get out of the game quicker. You know, maybe they'll die. Maybe they'll, you know, retire. Hang up their, uh, hang up their heels, if you will. And uh, it's just a, it's a weird. It's kind of like our version. It would be uh, horrible bosses here in America, but the. Uh, the you know, the Spanish version is three prostitutes, and it's just them, the three of them, really fighting, kind of cat fighting, and trying to fuck up each other's lives. I would recommend this one. It's, it's really raunchy, if you're into that. I'm not really into the raunchy humor, but this one just worked, you know? Past Life. This one is about a girl and her doppelganger. Um, apparently, I mean... Uh, I've seen the movie, so it's it's about her and her doppelganger trying to become neo-Nazis, and they 
they do the thing where Saddam Hussein did, where he had a, he had a, you know, someone that looked just like him to fool people into assassination attempts. These two girls are really trying to become the head of a neo-Nazi group, so they decide, hey, I need someone who looks just like me. I need a clone, basically. They really try to rise the power in this neo-Nazi group, and they, and they kind of realize we, we need to look alike each other because uh, look alike each other. That's right, it's Italian. So they need, they need to look alike each other, and then. Just so, if anything happens, you know, we still have one to lead, and we know how to, you know, who to look out for. We know where our enemies are. And it, this is a strange movie. The B-Side, Elsa Dorfman's Portrait Photography. This movie is exactly like it sounds. It's a movie in which you watch a woman trying to take a picture of you for an hour and a half. She's literally standing there with a light and a camera. She's going, she's jingling her keys. She's going, and like you're a baby. And then she goes, you know, they have to cover all the grounds, whoever watched the movie, so they put on the keys and they went with like a bottle of whiskey and they're like, come on, look, 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 look. Come on, drunkie. Come on, drunkie. Smile, smile. Cheese and taters, cheese and And she's just saying weird things, trying to get you to smile for her photograph. And at the end, she takes the picture. And then, but it's really cool because in the theater, they have a photographer, you don't, you don't see them because they're in black and it's kind of like a stagehand, but they're all in black and they have a camera and they take a picture of the audience and they take a bunch and then they hand you pictures as you walk out like a, like a, like a roller coaster ride, like you're, at, like you're at Disneyland and they hand you pictures and then it's like, oh, there I am watching the movie and they, you know, obviously it costs money and there's packages and stuff you can get your, you can get little wallet sized ones, you get the big one with the little frame that says, I saw, I saw the B-side. And there I am. The Mummy. This movie is about the makeup artist who put all those weird little tattoos on Jared Leto for Suicide Squad. It's, it's, he's just verbally berated by Jared Leto for the whole documentary. It was, it was kind of overwhelming. Jared Leto is a huge asshole, apparently. He just berates the man and saying, no, more stupid tattoos and more meth. I want to look like I smoke meth non-fucking-stop, you piece of shit. That's literally dialogue from the movie. That's going to be huge. That line's going to be super famous. It's called The Mummy because he just gets so covered in insults by Jared Leto. He just... And he feels like a mummy, you know? Megan Levy, I thought this said Major League at first. Megan Levy is a movie about a woman and her dog who are slowly covered with American flag because they died. And this is her funeral. It's Megan Levy's funeral. It's really depressing. It's a, it's a war thing and it's just super depressing. It's an anti-war movie. Oh my God, can you get more depressing movie? Jesus Christ. It comes at night. It's the sequel to It Follows. It follows you, and then it comes at night. It comes all over you. At night. The Hero. This movie's about Sam Elliott looking back on all the movies he did before and laughing about them, chuckling to himself through his mustache. And he just remembers. And you watch every second of him remembering. He's like, and he has these really weird high thoughts of himself where he's like, man, I was a hero. I made those movies. When I was in Big Lebowski, when I was in Tombstone, 
I really was saving lives. I'm a hero. Playing the aging cooler and you saw my pubes. I was a hero. Beatriz at dinner. This movie stars Selma Hayek, who often looks off camera. <laughs> she's at dinner. She, it's, it's this weird blended movie where she's at the dinner from before. I think they're going to do kind of like the Avengers thing where they all have their own separate movies. All the, the four people who are in the dinner from before, that movie I talked about, they each had their ca own camera on them and they're going to release each one. So there's Sam at dinner, there's uh, Luis at dinner, and then there's Carlos at dinner. This is Beatriz at dinner. It's just the camera on her and just her reactions to this whole dinner. And you're going to get out all four movies. And then you can kind of watch all five movies, you know, when, you know, there's the, just the dinner and then there's each one of them. You can watch them all together. It's kind of like a weird mosaic if you have five TVs. And you can really put together this dinner and find out exactly how the dinner went. I think if you're really lonely too, you could literally put an empty chair in your dining room with a TV with Salma Hayek on it. And then one for Carlos and one for the other Luis, the other guy I said. And put them in the chairs and it looks like the people are there having dinner with you. And you're kind of like, you can be a fifth wheel and just watch. Like you could put the, the movie, the dinner in the middle and just kind of like, just so you can follow along easier. And you can just really pretend like you're there. It's this really immersive experience. It's kind of a 4D movie, if you will. It really does come to life for a sad, sad individual such as yourself. My Cousin Rachel. This movie stars Rachel Wise. Is it, so it's named after her? Okay. Uh, this movie's just about a guy describing his cousin. You know how you get those weird cousin stories where you're like, that's not true. She doesn't. Come on, you don't know someone who does that. And he's like, no, no, I know a cousin. This movie's about that girl who, who you've heard a million stories about, how she fucked a mailman and then banged his brother. Just a weird, weird-ass stories where she ran over somebody and, you know, hid the body and got away with it. All of them are true, by the way. And this is the cousin. This is her. And, you, you know, the weird, like, I made out with my cousin once. I shouldn't have done that. This is her. She's fucked up. She's made out with everybody. Cars 3. This movie is the sequel to Bars 3. They're doing a weird thing where they changed the letter. So next one is Dars 3. I'm not sure what they're going to do about that. I'm not really entirely sure. Cars 3 is about the cars within the Fast and the Furious franchise. You, it, you know how they are a main character in it because they're always in it. This just focuses on the cars. You meet them. You get to know them. You really, really feel for them. And when Dominic Toretto leaves the car, they get sad. They're like, we're not fulfilling our purpose of driving and ramping things and going from building to building somehow. And it's, you feel it, you really do feel it. This movie runs on all cylinders. <laughs> all Ayez on me. The main character in the story is uh, Dominic Ayez. E-Y-E-Z, that's how you spell his name. And his, his, he basically brought this nose piercing thing to America from Istanbul, um, as President Trump would say. He brought this epidemic here. Oh, <laughs> I don't say epidemic, it's a little judgmental. Phase, craze, whatever you want to call it. It's just about this whole subculture of people who had tattoos and the piercings and lots of things. Um, I'm saying Dominic Ayez is very interesting. He's, he's He's this weird, eccentric millionaire. I, 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 he might have even been a billionaire, I don't remember. 
but he just, he has a passion for facial piercings that cannot go unnoticed. Rough Night. This is a story of a, um, Scarlett Johansson um, keeps witnessing atrocities. She goes in the one room, she finds a dead body. She goes in another room, she finds her husband fucking another guy. And she just has a rough night. She keeps witnessing atrocity after atrocity. And let me say, this movie is an atrocity. So I felt like I really connected with her, but not in a good way. I was like, this movie! And I know what she meant. I know what she felt like, you know. The Book of Henry. This movie is uh, another one with Naomi Watts. She reads the Book of Henry to her children. The Book of Hank. They call it Henry here just as like a little wink because their, their dad died, his name is Henry. But really they're reading the Book of Hank from the Bible. It's in the King James Version. Not, not, you gotta look deep for it. Um, it's, it was cut out of the, you know, the, the real Bible, you know. It's, it's kind of like a cutscene from the Bible movie, I guess is one cool way to say it. Um, but their dad's name was Henry, um, and it's kind of like, this is what your dad felt like. And he wrote this note to these kids, and it's kind of like they, they intertwine the stories and the, the books. And it is this weird, interesting, I guess, kind of like Big Fish. Where you read the dad's, he's reading the dad's stories, or the, the family's reading their dad's stories, and it sounds kind of made up, but you realize he's reading, he's mixing his story with the Bible, and it's this weird combination of the two that most of the time doesn't work, but there are some gems in this. There's some really funny scenes, lots and lots of cameos, just like Big Fish. Um, ironically enough, Danny DeVito appears as a circus performer. Very strange. It's almost the same role. Yeah, I recommend it for children. For children of dead parents. If, are your parents dead? Watch this movie. Maudie. Ethan Hawke, of course. Maudie is a story of people walking through a museum of paintings. And one of them is named Maudie. It's probably her. I mean, it was her, because I saw this movie. And they're walking around and they're all dressed fancy and they think they're fancy and they think they're cool, they think they're hips, you know, we're cool painting people. We like, we like art. We like, we spend lots of money on lots of arts. And they're just like, yeah, this is who we are and this is us. I'm Ethan Hawke. I'm cool. I'm chill. I'm chill. I, 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 I was married to Gwyneth Paltrow, I think. That's about all I know about Ethan Hawke, really. At the end, they're talking and they just walk into the painting without realizing it. And then they just keep walking off into the painting. And the kid walks by and he's like, what's that, mommy? And the mom looks and then by the time they're on the corner and they're not the painting anymore. Uh, very weird ending. Very, uh, I get another avant-garde movie that I don't, I don't usually care for that kind of movie, but it had witty dialogue, but it was kind of wooden. It was kind of like a, a wooden Ellen movie. Because <laughs> uh, it was a dialogue and it was all wooden, not woody. The movie didn't work and neither did that joke. Transformers, The Last Night. In this one, the Knights of Columbus join forces with the Transformers to fight the Ku Klux Klan. And then they win, because the Ku Klux Klan can't really defend themselves against big-ass trucks. Or sentient trucks. Because obviously they can't. Their racism isn't that powerful. Although it's really, there's a really interesting scene where they, all oh, the KKK members, are, they all arrive, and they kind of forge into one, 
giant, giant KKK member. And it's got like a, it looks like a big wooden cross, but with like arms for the, for the things, you know? And it, it's just fights, it's very weird. But it's really awesome. And then the, the sound, the sound effects alone of the burning wood of the cross, well, I felt like I was there, you know? I felt like I was really there in Alabama. It was fascinating. The Big Sick. In this movie, Camille Nanjiani um, writes into a pad of paper with earbuds in for a movie. He's coming up with ideas for his new special. It's supposed to be like a comedy special, but all they did was record him preparing for the comedy special, like writing down new material. You don't ever see him go on stage. It's very, very risky for a comedy special to do that. He, he really is, a, is, a, is an awesome, he's a great, a great mind, Camille does. He, he prepares, and he's like, I'm ready. Credits. You don't see it. It's first of seven specials. Next one, you're going to see him walk up, going to the theater. You know. The next one, you're going to see him um, kind of working out the material. And then you're going to see, in the next movie, you're going to see him, like, really fine-tuning it and getting the, the beat points down. And then the next movie, you're going to see him, like, assembling, trying to get someone to, uh, he's doing pitches around town. And then they're like, hey, Netflix, do you want to do it? And then Netflix is like, yes, we'll do it. And that's a whole movie, too. And then the next one, you're going to see him, like, getting a crew and kind of hiring people, getting a director, you know, getting the spotlight guy, getting finding a theater. And uh, the, next, the last movie, you're going to see him going to the theater, like, to go film. And then... I heard they're going to do a TV series where you actually see the the, the the shows themselves. I don't know. It's very weird. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, I don't know how they're going to do that and make that work. But I trust him. You know, he's a, he's a very funny man. The Beguilid. In this movie, the Beguiled, Beguilid, is Beguiled. It's a story of Bagul from Sinister and how he became the Beguiliest. The Bad Batch. In this movie, a woman goes to a sperm bank, trying to get impregnated with her husband's sperm. But instead, she's given Andy Dick's sperm. Now she has a terrible, terrible batch inside of her. The Bad Batch. Can she raise an Andy Dick? Why does this movie hate you? Why are you watching this movie? Move on. 47 meters down. This movie's fascinating because it's just a couple they're parasailing, they're having the time of their lives, you don't, we don't know who they are, it doesn't matter, it really doesn't matter. They're parasailing, he has a GoPro on him, he drops it, the camera slowly floats down, 47 meters down obviously, because it's in the title. And then it's just pointed up, and then you just watch things float above it. And that sounds really boring, but as we see in the poster, there's a shark, there's well, they're pretty far out there when they're doing it. I don't know why they were that far out. They don't need to be that far out. Um, they maybe the current carried it out. I don't know. Um, there's dolphins. There's a there's a couple swimmers. You know, and you can kind of see like little boats, little shadows of boats. And um, and then the guy at the at the very end. I'm gonna spoil this. The guy you see really caught me off guard because also you see the guy's face. He found the camera. He has a little tracking device on his phone and then um, you see a shark kind of behind him you know it's a really close shot of him like really up close and you see a little shark and I'm like 
no. Ken? I'm pretty sure his name is Ken. Like I said, you don't find out much about him. He's kind of a... He's the main character, I guess, because he's the only human on screen. But you really feel for him at the end. Despicable Me 3. This movie was very interesting because it was the only cartoon for children in which... I, I can't even describe this. He clones himself, gives himself a pretty blonde wig, and then he seriously has hardcore, full frontal sex on camera with himself. He, he literally goes and fucks himself. The house. In this movie, Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler have their names above the other person on, on in the poster, and that drives me fucking nuts. Just flip the image, and you... What's the difference? Why wouldn't they just do that? Anyway, that's nitpicking. In this movie, a woman and her pimp decide to run a brothel out of their own home. They're um, really their husband and wife, and he's like, we're, we're gonna lose the house, you know, the market. We're gonna lose the house if you don't start, uh, if I don't start peddling your vagina to our friends and neighbors. And she's like, oh, do I have to? He's like, got to. So they do that. In Meadyville, the Awakening. In this movie, a girl looks at a house, and it's terrifying. And you know what? You've seen 100,000 of these Amityville movies, so you know what to expect. There's ghosts and shit. And then it stars that girl who likes to show her tits all the time. Wish Upon. In this movie, a girl ends up inside of a little wish box, and then she lives there and all her magical fantasies occur, and it's just fascinating. It's kind of like uh, Alice in Wonderland, but terrible, it's terrible. 13 minutes. It's part of an ongoing series of posters in which a character has a um, defeated look on their face in front of a Nazi flag. Um, very strange. This one is about a woman who tries to join the Nazis only to find out she can't join because she's a woman, so she walks away defeated. And it only took 13 minutes because that's how long that series of events actually took, historically. And then she walks away toward the camera and just walks out of frame and then the movie's over. And that's all you get, it's 13 minutes long. What do you expect? Spider-Man Homecoming. In this movie, Jonathan Spider-Man um, goes to his homecoming parade and he has the time of his life. He really does learn how to be just him, just Jonathan Spider-Man. He just has to learn how to deal with his emotions, and this really helps. He goes to the homecoming football game. He he does. He's not a player. Um, he's a player though. <laughs> he goes to the game. He falls in love with this girl, or you know, he's kind of already in love with her. But he he kind of realizes maybe you know maybe she'll actually fuck me. Or love me, I guess, if you're into that. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a typical teenage romance movie. Um, in the end, Jonathan Spider-Man is... He kind of realizes, I don't love this girl. I need I love, I love need to love myself first. I need to love Jonathan Spider-Man. I just need to fall in love with myself. And so I'm going to go off to college soon. I'm going to do that. And then the next... You can tell the next movie when they... Because this movie's already blowing up box offices. It's gonna be out. It's gonna be his college years, you know. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fascinating. A ghost story. Um, in this movie, a a man, a poor man, must come up with a Halloween costume within 30 minutes, and the only thing he has is a lot of sheets and a lot of scissors. 
How's he gonna fix this problem? He has no Halloween costume. He has 30 minutes to get to this party. What's to be done? Step. In this movie, they've already stepped up. They've already stepped up 3D. What? Now that's left and out to do is step. Just keep stepping. War 4, the planet of the apes. In this movie, um, a woman stands behind a monkey, um, probably giving him a reach around. I can't really tell. I mean, the movie was great. This movie's about a veterinarian proctologist who must check the prostate of apes. Because that's why she's standing behind him on the poster. She's, she must find a way, and the, the apes are not too happy about this because they have no idea why they're doing that to them. Why is this human's finger up my anus? They don't know. They, you can't explain that to a monkey. They have no idea. And, you know, it's going to be a war. It's like a War of the Roses type thing where it's, it's not like war. It's like, you know, that sort of thing. Bad dads. This movie's about strippers and all the women in porn, and they just talk about their childhood and how their stepdads probably molested all of them. Midnight Sun stars Bella Thorne and Patrick Schwarzenegger. There's a fucking another Schwarzenegger. We have to deal with another one. Does this one at least sound American? I mean, it, he was in the movie and he was great. In this movie, they walk around at night and then you think they're falling in love and you're like, oh my god, this is fascinating. They're really connecting these two characters. They have this kind of Kevin Smith-ish dialogue and then, they, you know, it's really witty and there's back and forth and lots of pop culture references and then you realize it's midnight and he turns into a fucking werewolf and he eats her. Eats her entirely. And then he just goes home and you forget who he was and he wakes up and then you realize the next night he does it again. He just does it again. Lady Macbeth... I almost said it. almost said it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Dunkirk. It's a story of Chris Pine and how he's already done Kirk as a role. That was a lame joke. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh. So it's just whatever with movies and movie titles now. I don't... Uh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Girls Trip. In this movie... Four women trip over a man's penis, and then they just sit there and stare at it, and open their mouths because that penis is getting stuffed in their faces. And Queen Latifah, isn't she a lesbian? I don't know. What are we doing? The Dark Tower. Two people fall from the sky and land and die. Is it the Dark Tower's fault? Did they jump from the Dark Tower? Now we must find out. Atomic Blonde. In this movie, um, the fuck is that? Is that Holly Berry? Holly Berry! No, sorry, Charlie Theron. Charlie Theron stars as a prostitute slash hitman. That's right. We've never seen that before in a movie. She sits there and she waits for men to come up to her and then she kills them. Monsters? She... I think I just described the plot to Monsters, which also stars Charlie Theron. Is this the same movie? But she's hot this time? Is that what this is? I mean, that's what it was. Yes. That's what it was. An inconvenient sequel. <sighs> Truth to power. <clears throat> I don't want to describe this movie again. I'm done. You know, I'm done describing your fucking movies, okay? I'm not doing it anymore.
Quick shut off the air on me. An inconvenient sequel, truth to power. I don't want to do movies anymore. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Um, it's a sequel to Truth to Power, but it's not like a convenient sequel. <laughs> it was like a re they're, they're just really bragging about how hard their movie was to make. Why? You know. Oh, it's so hard to make a movie. I'm Hollywood. <sighs> and it's like, you know, you know it's, it's the Truth to Power. It just goes into detail of how dishonest you can be while in power and this is like really getting behind this you need to see what it takes to be truthful how inconvenient that is so guys that's a summer movie summary for 2017 they were all great movies except those ones I said I didn't like uh, man I sure did enjoy watching all those movies already they let me watch all of them ahead of time a lot of these movies aren't even done I need I don't want the air to be shut off again, so I'm just gonna play along. I watched all of them, they were great. Great movies, guys.